0: hey happy weekend new life family it's so great to be back with you my name is jeremy i'm the campus pastor for our Patterson campus right here for New Life Christian Center. And we've had a lot of different faces, a lot of different voices during the summer series that we're in called Questions, but it is so good to be back with you. Welcome to our online experience. Uh, To all of you watching across the country, we just wanna say thank you for tuning in this weekend. If you are part of our Patterson campus, let me give you a really quick update. We are only about four Sundays away from our grand opening, we covet your prayers as we continue to navigate through this process. Pray for our construction workers. Pray for our painters. Pray for the city. Pray for inspectors. Pray for uh, uh, just uh, uh, moving in and getting ready. There's so much more that still needs to be done, but we are still set on that day, Sunday, August 22nd. Be looking for mailers. Be looking for the video. We have a promo video that's coming out, and we know it's going to be a great celebration. But we are only about four Sundays away, so we cover your prayers. Okay. Uh, also, the for um, the Saturdays in August. Okay, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on uh, on August the 6th and the 13th and the 20th. No, no, those 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 dates are wrong. Whatever the first three Saturdays are in August, we are going to be at the new at the new location from 8 to 9 a.m. Praying over this facility, okay. Every room you walk in, there'll be the prayer need for that specific area, whether it's the auditorium or the lobby or the kids area. So we want you to put that on your calendar, okay? The Saturdays, the first three Saturdays in August from 8 to 9 a.m. We're gonna be at the campus praying. And we're also gonna have some cleanup days that way that those days as well. Okay. So we want you to put those on your calendar. Okay. Whatever those days are I'm sure I messed it up. I don't have a calendar in front of me. But we are going to be today in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 43, whether it's a physical Bible or you have your digital Bible, you, you know, an iPad or a phone or whatever, Isaiah chapter 43, page 632 in your Bibles. I'm just kidding. I have no idea what page it's on. But it's the book of Isaiah chapter 43. And while you're turning there, let me set it up just a little bit, okay? Isaiah is a, an Old Testament prophet, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. Um, we're in about 700 B.C., Isaiah's time was about 700 years before Christ was even born. And Isaiah gave a lot of different prophecies over uh, Israel during this time, good, bad, and ugly, okay? uh His prophecies fell in one of three different categories. Either he was uh, prophesying about the wickedness and the sin of Israel that they needed to turn around. They needed to turn back to God. That was a lot of the prophecies. Uh, A second category of his prophecies were about the generations of Israel. And the third uh, um, category of his prophecies were about the Messiah, the coming Messiah, Jesus. A third of Isaiah's prophecies were about Jesus 700 years before he even came to be, came to be on this earth, uh, that is. Now, in case you're ever wondering, man, what an amazing life to be Uh, to live the life of a prophet. Well, at the end of Isaiah's life, he was actually sawed in two. Okay, so it's not actually that glorious to live the life of a prophet. Okay, now the reason why this is so important for us today, to know that a third of his prophecies were about the coming Messiah, Jesus, this is one of those clarifications that God is the God of everyone. That Jesus did not come just for the Jew. He came for the entire world. And that's really important for us to know. That the hope and the purpose and the love of Jesus is still for us today. So in the text that we're going to be reading today, we find the Jewish nation still enslaved by the Babylonians. Okay, The, the, The nation of Israel was free and then enslaved. And then free and then enslaved. All the time, just back and forth. And now they find themselves enslaved by the Babylonians. And they're reflecting back on the good life, the good old days, what God used to be in their lives. All the miracles that God used to do for their ancestors in the past. Things like, hey, remember when God delivered our ancestors from Egypt? Hey, remember when our ancestors came upon the Red Sea and they couldn't get across, but God parted the Red Sea? Hey, remember when Moses uh, 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 would strike the the rock with his staff and water came out and gave refreshment to our ancestors? Remember all those good old, uh, the, the good old days? Remember all those great stories from our ancestors? And as they're reminiscing about what God used to be. God is trying to show them what is and what's going to be. God is trying to shift their faith. He's trying to shift their perspective and prepare them for change. But they're so busy looking backwards and longing for what used to be, they can't see what's right in front of them. And then a prophecy comes from God through Isaiah to the people. And here's what he says from the Lord. Isaiah 43, starting the verse 14 through 19. This is what the Lord says. This is the prophet Isaiah talking. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they're so very proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Talking about the Red Sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Then let's pay attention to this. But forget all that. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? And that's the question that we're going to be wrestling with today. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you will speak your word to your servant, to your people, and that we can draw closer to you and closer to each other. You deserve all the glory and the honor. In your name, amen. Amen. Hey, those of you that were alive during the 90s, do you remember those magic eye 3D artwork that would be all over the place? Okay, these things drove me nuts. All right, I've got a a couple pictures that are on the screen right now as I'm talking. These things were in malls. They were in uh, department stores. People were buying them and putting them in their homes. I hated these things, okay, mainly because I couldn't see the image that was there. I just couldn't see it. Now, my wife, Janet, would walk right up to them in a mall, literally walk right up to them and go, oh, cool, the space shuttle. I was like, where? And then she would go to the next one. Oh, look, here's the solar system. And I'm like, where are you seeing this? this?" And she said, oh, look, there's the sun, there's the earth, there's the moon. Oh, that's a really cool image. I I couldn't stand it because I couldn't see anything. We were in a mall in Nashville one day, and I stared at the same picture, listen, for over an hour, yes, I need help. For over an hour, I stared at this one picture because I couldn't see it. I was so frustrated. Janet finally left me and said, "Hey, I'm going to go shopping. You stay here as long as you want, but I'm going to go shopping." People around me begin to feel sorry for me. All right, this one guy said, "Hey, hey, come on, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta let your eyes relax." I'm like, "Let my eyes relax." So I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. He's like, no, no, not your body, your eyes. And so I'm letting my eyes relax and trying to see this picture. And one person says, oh, focus right here. Then another person says, no, unfocus your eyes here. Then one person said, oh, just look at this one dot. And then just look deeply into the picture. I don't even know what that means. All I know is I was frustrated and I could not see the image that I knew was there, but I just could not see it. This really cool image that I was trying to see was right there. But something was keeping me from seeing it. The same thing was happening to the nation of Israel. They were stuck. They were so stuck on what used to be, they couldn't see something different, something new. They were too used to the old way, the old miracles that God had done back there for their ancestors. They had adjusted the lenses of their spirits on how God moved through the great leaders of their past like Moses and Joshua and the other great leaders. And now they find themselves thinking, well, that's how God did it back then, so obviously he's going to do it the same way again. So we'll just sit here, do nothing, look back on the past, and wait on God. Now, I believe some of this is because a lot of us, let's face it, we just don't like change. All right? All right. Uh, over my years of ministry, I've had dozens of people come up to me and say, Pastor Jeremy, I hate change. I don't like change. It's uncomfortable. It's different. It takes adjustment. It takes getting used to. It disrupts my current reality. Even if their current reality is bad, they don't want change. When Janet and I lived in Wisconsin for nine long winters, all right, I don't even say years anymore. I just say winters. We absolutely hated The weather, okay. The people that attended our church and the people of Wisconsin were great. We love them. We still love you today. We still have great friends there, but we hated the weather. Because I don't know if you know this, but snow at Christmas is amazing. It's wonderful. Snow in May? No. No, there, there shouldn't be snow in May. There should be no such words as the polar vortex with minus 60 degree wind chills. Okay, that's of the devil. But that's some of the things that exist there in Wisconsin. And I can't tell you how many times, how many of our friends would say to us, we don't like it here. We don't like the weather. It's, it, it makes me depressed during the wintertime. It lasts for six months. We wish that we could go somewhere warmer. And Janet and I would say, then go, then Move. Why are you still here? You have this one life on earth. There's no reincarnation. There's no do-overs. I'm not going to live in an area where I hate the weather for six months. That's just not my one life. But inevitably, they would say the same thing. I was born here. I was raised here. My family's here. My kids go to school here. It's all I know. We even know a couple of people that turned down really good job opportunities in other states because of fear. They turned it down, the fear of change, the fear of something different. It's more comfortable if everything just stays the same, okay? As long as no one or no thing rocks my boat, I'll just sit here, reflect on the good times, and that will be what gets me through. But God said to Israel, forget all that. The word forget here literally means to stop talking about it. It does. I know sometimes it's good to remember seasons and events in our life uh, uh, from our past because it's made us who we are. I know it's really good to reflect on uh, times where God has got us through difficult and challenging seasons because it's got us where we are today. But for some of us, we've allowed those events and those trials and those challenges to be the theme of our story instead of just parts of our story. You can honor your past without it dominating the decisions of your future. So what was God showing the nation of Israel is also, I believe, what he's trying to show us this weekend. How does this relate to us? How does this relate to stop looking back at the past and to look for God in the new? How does that relate to us today in a couple of ways, okay? Here's your first fill-in for the weekend. Number one, God wants me to learn from my past and embrace the new. He wants me to learn from my past and embrace the new. Philippians 3.13, this is the Apostle Paul talking to the people in Philippi. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Talking about this perfect life and, and being without sin. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Like we said, the Jewish people were so hung up on their past, they weren't able to see what God was doing right in front of them. They were so busy remembering and reflecting on the God of their past, they weren't responding to the same God of their future. He was trying to show them something new, but they couldn't see it. They kept looking back and saying, yeah, but God, back then, you parted the Red Sea for us. Back then, Moses held up a staff with a snake around it. When people looked at it, they were healed. Back then, you parted the Jordan River through Joshua, and we went with him across the Jordan River into the promised land. Back then, back then, back then, and God said, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm about to do. And today, we have our own places of getting stuck, don't we? You and I have our own places of saying, back then... And we get stuck there. For you, maybe it's the marriage you used to have. Maybe it's the joy that your kids brought you when they were little because now that they're older, they've been doing some things that's brought you a lot of grief and a lot of heartache. It's that relationship that you used to have with a parent or friends. It's that how close you used to be with Jesus. Anyone ever had a A spiritual dry spell? Have you ever gone through a spiritual dry spell? Recently, I did. I actually went through a long spiritual dry spell. And you may have gasped and go, but you're the pastor. Yeah. Which doesn't add, you know, it didn't help my insecurities any knowing that. But I went through a spiritual dry spell. I felt like my prayers weren't going anywhere. I just felt like they were bouncing off the ceiling. I, uh, my, 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 I couldn't slow down my mind. I couldn't concentrate. The best way that I could explain it is that my prayers felt very elementary. Felt very, God, you're, you're good, God. Thank you, God. I just couldn't concentrate. I couldn't go any deeper than that. And I realized that that's exactly where God wanted me to be. Because sometimes I just have to shut up so I can listen. And God was trying to take me to a different space in my prayer life. And I remembered this verse in Matthew 18, verse 3. This is Jesus saying this. I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, I was remembering what my prayer life used to be, but God was trying to show me something new, something different, something deeper, and I didn't like it because it was uncomfortable and I was frustrated. It made me feel antsy and anxious on the inside. And my, like I said, my insecurities were off the chart. I started remembering the past when I first uh, began following Jesus at the age of 18 and how fresh and how exciting it was, and I kept thinking, how do I get back there I remember when some of the memories that I have of summer youth camp on top of Signal Mountain, Tennessee from the ages of 19 to 23 are still some of the greatest I have in my relationship with Jesus. Some of the early days as a youth pastor, uh, when I was a student ministries pastor, like Pastor Tito is for our campus and Pastor Brian is for the Turlock campus, those are some of the most amazing experiences for me in my spiritual growth and development with Jesus. And like God told the people of Israel, I believe God was saying to me, yeah, those were great experiences, Jeremy. Those were good times, Jeremy. But forget all that. Because I'm about to do something new. Don't you see it? You see, I wanted things to stay the same all the time. And that's just not reality. God grows us. God develops us into different people and to new things. God wants to keep doing something new in us and through us. so I say to you new life, everyone that's watching. God wants to do something new in you and for you and through you. Can you not see it? Stop looking back, forget all that. God wants to do something new, not because we're uh, uh, but, but because we're so busy and we're and, and we're distracted and maybe even asleep. We're not paying attention to what's going on around us. And and God is trying to say, look, I'm doing something new right in front of you. What is he showing you? What is he trying to communicate to you this weekend that's new? Something different in your life. Back in 2009, Janet and I were considering moving back to Tennessee because we had the opportunity. And we're considering being the youth pastor of the church. In which we volunteered. When we moved in 2005 from this church, we were not serving as staff. Janet and I both had our jobs. We had our house. Our kids were in school. We were, not, we were, just, we were just part of this church. We were not working for this church. But they invited us to come back and to be the youth pastors there. Now, before we made a final decision, let me just first say, Janet and I did not feel good about it. We even went back to Tennessee and interviewed with the staff, and we did not feel good about this. Something was not right. We didn't feel good about it. We did not have a peace about it. So when we got back, we sat down with the pastor just to get some feedback and perspective from him. And his words still echo in my head. He said, Jeremy, you can never go back. He said, you can't go back. God drew you away from that place for a reason. And I don't believe it was just for four years so that you could go back. And his words actually complemented what Janet and I were already feeling in our spirit as well. So we didn't go. And listen, if we had gone back, we would have missed eight years of growth that God had for us in Wisconsin. Janet and I probably wouldn't have gone back and finished our degrees. We would have moved right back to the familiar. We wouldn't have moved here to start the Patterson campus. We would have went right back to the comfortable, right back to the easy, right back to what used to be. But God was saying, forget all that. You let me take care of Tennessee. I'm doing something new in you. See, Jeremy, I've already begun. Can you not see it? God told Israel, forget about the past. I'm about to do something new. You're still looking for me in the used to, and I've already begun setting up the going to. Can you not see it? Now we have to be careful here because God said, I'm about to do something new. He didn't say, I'm going to give you new things, all right? Now, we misinterpret that a lot, and we start looking for things like a new car, a new house, a new spouse, new kids, new employees, a new boss, a new job. It could mean that God's trying to do something new in you right there in the familiar, right where you're at, to do something new right where you are. Maybe the something new is the something new in you, and that leads us to point number two. Sometimes God shows me the new thing in the same thing. Sometimes God shows me the new thing in the same thing. You've been praying for a new spouse, but God wants you to be faithful and honor the one you have. Yep, I went there. <laughs> you're single. You've been praying for a mate, but God may, maybe, maybe God knows that you're not emotionally, mentally, or spiritually healthy for yourself right now. God wants you to focus on you. You've been praying for a new job or a new career, but God wants to change your attitude towards the one you have, towards the boss that you have now. Maybe show up on time for the job that you have now. You want to move out of California to get a fresh start because you don't like the politics or the taxes or this or that. What if God wants you to be the catalyst of where you are right now? I can tell you from people from my own experience and from people that I know that have moved out of states that I've been in just to get a fresh start because they don't like this, they don't like that. Changing the state on your license plate doesn't always improve your life. You're thinking about going to a new church, but you haven't invested your time, talents, and treasure into the one you have now, into the one you call home. We all know that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's greener where we water it. Maybe the something new in your life is right where you are. Do you not see it? Are your past relationships clouding your vision? Your past job experiences, your past conversations, your past grades in school, forget all that. God is about to do something new. And here's something else I love about these verses, this this prophecy that God is speaking to the people of Israel and that he wants us to, to, to get as well. He says this, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Okay, get that, the wilderness. I will create rivers in what? The dry wasteland. Notice when he rescued Moses and all the Israelites back at the Red Sea, he didn't eliminate the water. He made a path through it. He created a dry place. He didn't take away their problem. He made a way through it. And now they're in a dry place and he's using water to get them through it. <laughs> just the, he just flipped it around. He's not taking away the wilderness. He's not taking away the wasteland. He's just creating a way through it. That's the new thing. Same God, same provider, same Savior, different technique. But they were looking for God to part to see again. And God's saying, no, no, I'm about to do something new. Can you not see it? Maybe for you, God's not changing your environment. He's just trying to change you. Same view but different you. Instead of sitting around always focusing on the negative, what would happen if we just thank God right in the middle of it? In the past, you've had your own Red Sea moments, right? We all have. God created a way for you to walk through some really challenging seasons of your life, and you didn't drown. And you're looking for God to do it the same way. And I'm talking about some crisis moments that some of you have been in. You should be in jail. You should be divorced. You should be bankrupt or evicted or even dead, but God showed up and rescued you. And now in the middle of your wilderness, in the middle of your wasteland, God is about to do something new. Don't give up on him because he hasn't given up on you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's never abandoned you. He's about to do something new. Can you not see it? What's keeping you from seeing it? He wants us all to know this weekend that he can still get us through whatever we're going through, but it's going to be different, something new. Same God, different you. You see, the enemy, your adversary, your enemy, the devil, he he doesn't want you to see the new thing. He wants you to stay stuck in your past. Even if you don't have a bad past, he wants you to stay stuck there. Because it keeps you from moving forward and seeing yourself the way that God sees you. Someone with purpose and value and worth. And think about it, if we're always walking backwards, always looking back at the past, we have the potential to trip over the new thing that God is trying to show us. Turn around. Get a new perspective. Get a new attitude, a new connection with God and a new vision. God wants us to open our eyes and see the new. Do you not see it? Proverbs 4:25 says, "Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you." So here's the last thing that I want to point out for this message. Because one translation, we've been saying, do you not see it? Do you not see it? That's the New Living Translation. The NIV translation of this this same verse says, do you not perceive it? Now the word perceive here means to accept it as being so. I love that. God is saying, I've already begun to do something new. Do you accept it as being so? In other words, the new is here if you want it. I've already begun. It's right here. Do you not see it? Do you want it? Do you accept it as being the new thing? I always think of Pastor Dave back when new life first started back in 1976, I believe. Pastor Dave was a teenager, 14 or 15 years old. Started attending the church and then he graduated from Turlock High, started going to Stan State. And while he was attending Stan State uh, in his undergraduate program, they asked him to be, to, to be the youth pastor here a new life, and so he did. Graduated from Stan State, married Gina. They went down to Fresno State, where he where he went to graduate school. And once he graduated from from Fresno State from uh, from uh, from graduate school, he was helping a church get off the ground there, a church plant. They were meeting in a school, set up, tear down. New Life called him and inviting him to come back and to be the senior pastor. I guarantee you that when 14, 15, 16-year-old Pastor Dave, David Larson was sitting in this building or in, uh, uh, at New Life, had no idea, never crossed his mind that one day he would be the lead pastor here for this church. But God did a new thing in the same thing. And he's been our lead pastor for almost 30 years I truly believe in my heart that God wants to do something new in the hearts and lives of our faith family. Not just individually, but something new for our organization as a whole. Right here in the Central Valley of California. Through our partnership with human trafficking and a new Patterson campus, the food pantry that's been so hugely successful over the last year and a half. In the many other ways that God has been using this church and specifically our campus, God is using us as a tool to change the hearts and lives and to make an impact in His kingdom. But for you personally, do you need to stop looking back at what was and look for the new? Are you reflecting on the past and your current reality so intently that you could be missing what God is trying to take you in the new? So do me a favor, wherever you are watching or listening, do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to do just a little experiment here. I want you to think about your life. Think about your daily routine. You get up, shower, you eat breakfast, you get the kids ready or whatever you do. You go to work, you have a commute, you don't have a commute, you work from home, whatever your routine is, think about that very quickly. Now I'm going to give you some words that I want you to see the image of as I say them out loud. If you're single, I want you to see your singleness. Singleness. If you're married, I want you to see your marriage, see your kids, see your job, see your school if you're in school. Now let me shift it a little bit. See your health. See your finances. Now see your relationship with Jesus. I want you to imagine a blank room with two chairs in that room sitting across from each other. You walk in and sit in one. Jesus comes in and sits in the other across from you. Whatever you think Jesus looks like. He's sitting across from you. And now I want you to listen to the words of the Lord as if Jesus were saying them to you himself. Forget about your past. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do for you and in you and through you. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? Do you accept it? I am making a pathway through your wilderness. I'm creating rivers in your dry wasteland. Father, thank you so much for what you are doing in our lives. Father, help us to look beyond our past. Help us to accept that you are saying forget about all that because you are about to do something new. Not only in our individual lives, but in our marriages, in our jobs, in our relationship with you. Father, in our church, in our community, you are doing something new. You've already begun. Father, take away the scales from our eyes. Take away the distractions from us so that we can clearly see what the new is, so that we can be about your business, which is growing the kingdom of God. Father, I pray this week that you will give every single one of us an opportunity to share you with them. Create that opportunity. Give it to us. Let us see that opportunity and then take advantage of it. We love you. We surrender our lives to you. Go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us here this weekend. Like I said, keep praying for the Patterson campus. If you do attend Patterson, we're going to be there the first three Saturdays of August from 8 to 9 a.m. praying over the campus. Uh, Our initial or our grand opening is Sunday, August 22nd. We want you to keep praying that everything goes smoothly. We can get in as soon as possible. Hey, we love you guys. Don't forget about all the information that we gave you at the beginning of this message about prayers and resources and giving. Thank you so much for your giving. We could not do it without you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you here next weekend.